Good morning. Rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Don't forget, as you file in today, the price of admission, well, it's free. All you got to do is click that like button. And if you enjoy the content that you're watching today, make sure that you subscribe as well so that we can see you again, because the Wake Up America show is five days a week, Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. So we'd love to see you come back and join us again. Thank you to Rumble.com for dropping us up top. We appreciate those features that have helped us to grow our channel and transform our lives. All right, let's get the show on the road. Starting out at the top today, Target is going to close nine stores due to theft and loss of safety at their retail stores. Overnight, mobs of looters descended on shops in Philadelphia, including at Target, Lululemon, and other stores, the rioters were stealing everything that wasn't nailed down, including places like Apple stores and other uh, locations around Philadelphia. We're going to talk about that, the reason for these riots, even though the police are telling us that it's not related to this event at all. We'll start there at the top of the show. At uh, If I have a little bit of time before my guest joins us at 730, I'd like to talk just for a few minutes today about more and more companies were uh, moving over to a four-day work week. Uh, if that model actually works and from some of the companies that are pulling it off at the moment. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about this as well. Do you think that a four-day work week would be possible here in the United States? Would it cut our productivity down? I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. I actually think it's not a bad idea, at least from what I'm seeing and reading. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. You can send us a text today at 573 573- 319-1586. Again, you can text the show and let us know what's on your mind at 573-319-1586. At 7.30 a.m. this morning, we're going to speak to former White House economist in the Trump administration, um, Vance Ginn, uh, about how rising interest rates are preventing more people from being able to buy homes than ever, what the housing market looks like, and also the uh, antitrust lawsuit that's been filed against Amazon by the FTC. So at the top of the show, we're going to start talking, we're going to start by talking about the street level looters. And then we're going to switch with Vance Ginn to talk about the federal looters, right? So the federal looters are trying to loot Amazon, apparently on our behalf. So it's just a retail rampage today we're going to talk about on the show. So Vance Ginn will be joining us this morning at 7.30 a.m. to talk about the federal looters at the FTC's antitrust lawsuit against Amazon. At eight o'clock this morning, we're gonna have Judge Andrew Napolitano on the show, excited to have him. Yeah, Judge Andrew Napolitano will be joining us for Big Brain Time today. I'd love to hear his thoughts. I mean, he is a New Jersey man himself. Aren't you curious to hear what his thoughts are on Senator Bob Menendez and the bribery allegations that are being leveled at his senator? So. You know, Judge Napolitano runs in pretty highfalutin circles, so I imagine he probably knows a thing or two. He may even personally know Senator Bob Menendez. So I'll be curious to hear what Judge Andrew Napolitano has to say about the bribery allegations against Bob Menendez at 8 o'clock this morning Central Time. So a little less than an hour from now, if you'd like to hear from the judge, and perhaps you have some errands or things that you have to do this morning, make sure that you set an appointment on your calendar and come back in an hour so that you can hear what Judge Napolitano has to say about those bribery allegations. At 8.30 a.m. today, did you see the news that Chevy Chase, no, not the city in Maryland, not Chevy Chase, Maryland, but the Chevy Chase, you probably already thought about that Chevy Chase. You probably have no idea that there's a Chevy Chase, Maryland. 
Chevy Chase, the actor, is apparently speaking out about how he hated working on the set of the show Community. And I just was fascinated by this because he has never been happy about anything that he's done ever. Like if you've ever asked, if you ever read any or, or listened to any Chevy Chase's interviews, he always poops on every project that he's ever been a part of. And apparently Community was no different, but it was a beloved show. I was not the biggest fan. I didn't really watch it a whole lot, but I know a lot of people did. And I just think it's funny that he just has never been happy about anything he's ever done. What was your favorite work of Chevy Chase? I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can send them in at 573-319-1586. John Miltimore, who usually joins us on Mondays, Mondays with Miltimore, uh, will be joining us today at 8.30 a.m. to talk about the Chevy Chase story, as well as the writer's strike. Apparently, the Writers Guild has announced a preliminary um, deal with the Hollywood studios to go back to work. And I have to say, we were all enjoying the time off, weren't we, from uh, woke Hollywood's leftist garbage that they've been piling on for the last several years. We're going to talk about that. And I saw this headline yesterday. You are, we are going to be laughing. Apparently, the movie Snow White has to make like, $900 million in order for it to break even. Um, <laughs> I don't think that that's going to happen. Now, I know that some of you who are new here may be like, what is the deal with these sound effects and canned laughter? If you don't like it and you don't enjoy it, guess what? This show might not be for you. Now, you're never supposed to say don't watch the show. But yesterday I got comments and sometimes I get comments from new people who are like, Austin, we don't like all of the canned applause and laughter mm -hmm. and the... Well, too damn bad. It's my show and I love it and I'm having fun and I wouldn't have gotten this far to this point if I hadn't been myself exactly as I am and had the show exactly as it is, you know, because I like it. It makes me feel good. <laughs> so if you want to come in here and comment about how you don't like the sound effects or you don't like my sense of humor, uh, you know, and you're just and when you're tuning in, you're like, how dare you like some angry lady did yesterday. Shove off. The show ain't for you. It's for people who have an optimistic sunny spirit and they like dad jokes and they like to laugh uh, as well as cry because you know if we are in the end times and if next year these loot these uh the, these riots and mobs and looters the looting that's going on the shutting down these retail stores if this really is the revelation the end of times and jesus really is going to come back well you know what i'm going to have a glass of martini and a cup of coffee and i'm going to laugh and i'm going to enjoy it right because life is too damn short to be upset and sad and unhappy all the time. We're white-pilled over here. It's a morning show. We're all in a good mood. So if you don't like it, shove off. Target's going into closed stores in San Francisco and other cities, citing theft. Oh, there we go. Nine stores, including Portland, Oregon, New York City, and Seattle, are also on the list. Uh, Target, like many big retailers, has complained about retail crime hitting its stores. Huh. Now the company plans to close nine locations across four states citing elevated levels of theft and safety concerns for its shoppers and employees. Uh, yeah, I wonder why. The funny thing is about this story, too, is that this story actually dropped before the rioting and the looting went on in Philadelphia last night. Now, the police are saying that the looting in Philadelphia is not related to a dismissal of charges against a police officer who shot an armed man who was sitting in his vehicle in Philadelphia recently. So the police are saying that the looting that went on yesterday has no connection to demonstrations that were being held earlier in the day yesterday after the dismissal of charges in the Irizarry case. 
So what is the Irizarry case? So the killing of Eddie Irizarry happened on August 14th of 2023. So this is an incident where uh, officers pulled over a car that was, quote, driving erratically, they say. Officers approached the car. Irizarry stepped out of the car with a knife, they claim. Later, body cam evidence shows that that wasn't true. He did not step out of the vehicle. However, body cam footage does show that the man did have a knife that he was holding down at his side. So it's, you know, it's a little bit up in the air as to whether or not this was a good shoot. Sounds like it wasn't, but here's the thing. The officer was charged with first-degree murder, voluntary manslaughter, aggravated assault, simple assault, reckless endangerment of another person, and official oppression. So here's the thing. Yesterday, the police officer had his charges dismissed, right? But then the charges were refiled hours later, and his next court date is set for October 25th, 2023. So this is on September 26th, the charges had been dismissed, but then they had been refiled. But once the charges were dismissed, that's when these demonstrations broke out. And then last night, the looters descended on Philadelphia in the shops. Now, before we start there, let's just hear from what the left and what the left has to say about things like this. So, oh, let's remember this statement from the icon of paradigm of the left, Alexandria Kaja Cortez. And admittedly, this is before these riots had happened. But I just think it's interesting because she's speaking about the, the looting in general. Take a listen. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money. So you maybe have to, you're, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. Interesting. And so, okay, so let's make sure we understand this correctly. How about a little canned laughter for that one? So why does the looting start? Well, the looting starts because, at least according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez here, she, Cortex, <laughs> I like her, the Alexandria occasional Cortex there. <laughs> uh, but she says specifically, the reason why the looting happens is, again, her, let's get her words so they, correctly. Let's get the facts straight and then we can distort them as we please, as Mark Twain might say. Go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money. So mm. you maybe have to, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. Mm. And so they, uh, so they need to shoplift some bread. Okay. So let's watch them shoplifting some bread. Now, admittedly, Target does have here. bread. How much more time do you have? This is from last are night. Are they already looting Target? <gasps> yeah, they are oh, running. They're running. <gasps> yes. In there will obviously be some bad language in these videos. FYI. Droves. <gasps> he just threw the shopping cart through a window. Uh, yeah, they're doing there they it. Go. They're doing it. I Chopper told kill. You. Chopper kill news. Chopper kill. Live on the scene. <gasps> oh my God, they're running in Target. They're running in. They smashed the window. They they, they took a... Watch our bags. Yes, they took a... Get in the car. <laughs> they took a grocery cart. Now, they do have bread at Target, I will say, uh, although there isn't much bread at Lululemon. Here, take a look. <laughs> this is so <laughs> welcome. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
they just there they were just there at Lululemon to get some bread. Here we go. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Everybody must eat! Everybody must eat! Everybody must eat! It's a liquor store. Look, here come more people. Let's go. Let's go. Let's uh, everybody go. must eat at the liquor store. Uh, good morning. If you're just tuning in to the Wake Up America show, I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to click that like button and subscribe to the channel if you enjoy the content that you're watching today. We're talking about how a group of young looters created havoc in Philadelphia last night, stealing from several stores in a spree that is, quote, unrelated to peaceful protests over a judge's decision to drop charges against a cop who fatally shot Eddie Irizarry. Uh, the police say that these loot, these incidents are unrelated to those events earlier in the day. So the shoplifters hit a footlocker and an Apple store, uh, as well as a Lululemon and a, li a liquor store as well. So what I don't understand about the police is that why are the police covering for these people? Like, why are the police claiming that these that the this looting has nothing to do with the demonstrations that were going on all day in Philadelphia? It, 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 I just it makes absolutely no sense to me. It, you know, I I'm laughing so hard because of the videos that are coming out because the the police are just lying. Here's the Apple Store. I guess they were there to get apples. Take a look. Security. Now, the funny thing is, is that one of them, there must be a brain cell amongst at least one of them, because at some point then they take one of their drinks and they pour it out all over the, the items that they just stole. Crazy. Oh my God. Yo, what's that sound? What's that sound? What's that sound? That's the Oh shoot, everybody throwing free iPhones. Let me see the iPhone. Oh my God, I want that. Oh my gosh. And then they're destroying oh it. Break it. That's what they track. Break it. Yeah. So oh, at least one crazy. of them there. Oh my god, this is crazy. Ain't nothing. Yeah. One of them there has a brain cell because he understands that 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 is going to be tracked, of course. If they when you steal these items, they like from the iPhone, the or when you steal an iPhone or an iPad, for example, they're gonna be able to track you down from that. So at least one of them is not entirely stupid. But I'm just reminded of this clip from Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida after their hurricane last month when he was talking about what could happen to people who might try and loot. The other thing that we're concerned about, particularly in those areas that were really hard hit, is, you know, we want to make sure we're maintaining law and order. Uh, don't even think about looting. Don't even think about taking advantage. Because when the looting starts, the shooting starts, that, of course, was a phrase that was popularized by President Donald Trump. Uh, and Ron DeSantis repeats it there. For some reason, that uh, feed just cut out. 
Um, but I have to say that it's interesting to see the responses from people on the internet. I saw this one leftist yes, um, yesterday who was talking about it, who was posting this morning saying, uh, let's, let's see, I want to grab his tweet here real quick. This is, this is all like breaking news. People are talking about it right now. Oh, he says, uh, his Chuck Modi on Twitter, he says, if you care more about property than people, it's because you're brainwashed by a sick society that values property over people. Hashtag Eddie Irizarry. Dude, I don't know you, okay? I care more about the oatmeal that I had for breakfast more than I care about you. you damn right. If you come and try and steal my property, then we're going to pull a Ron DeSantis slash Donald Trump on you. When the looting starts, the shooting starts. Yes, I absolutely care more about private property then I care about the lives of the scumbags who try and steal it. Somebody else, Black History 365 says, and it's not even their property. Listen, I know that there's no use in speaking. To, there's an old Thomas Paine quote where he says that um, he, it, trying to administer logic to those who have renounced it is like trying to use medicine on the dead. So I understand that this is going to go way over any of their heads, but this is for you. He says, and it's not even their property. One of the things that you and I understand is that when these looters descend on these stores and steal from them en masse, many things happen economically. One, you get all of these stores closing in these inner cities. And then, of course, the, the negative secondary or tertiary effects will be that the white people will be blamed for creating food deserts and and there's no opportunity there. And then, of course, you have Chicago, where the mayor of Chicago says he's going to create communist, you know, government run food stores in the city because nobody wants to run a uh, grocery store in areas where they know that they can be violently attacked and robbed. And no insurance company wants to insure it in these areas because they know that it's a liability. That's that's one thing, you know, secondary tertiary effects. But then remember, it does affect us, right? Whether you're stealing shoelaces, whether you're stealing a pair of shoes, you're stealing iPhones, we all pay for that. All of us who shop at those stores, if you go to Target or you go to Walmart or you've ever shopped at a Foot Locker or if you go to uh, Lululemon, for example, it does affect you when these looters steal from these stores because the rest of us have to pay in higher prices. Because these store owners, they increase the prices on the rest of us. So yes, it does affect us. And these retarded leftist shitbags, they always claim, oh, it's just property. It doesn't affect you. It's not even your property. They're stealing from rich people. No, you fucking morons. They're stealing from all of us. And I apologize for the language. I try Usually I try and hit buttons, so I'll, I'll try and do that in the future. But um, yeah, I, I usually try and make the uh, Wake Up America show PG-13 at, at max, but sometimes I do cuss. Uh, I love Jesus, but I drink a little. Uh, you can text the show with your thoughts on this story at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show today with your thoughts on this at 573-319-1586. Uh, Mike Cernovich had a really good tweet about this. He says that Philadelphia shows how bad it's going to get next year. I can't emphasize this enough. And for my own karma, must continue nagging you people. This isn't the same country. You need to be prepared. This isn't some short-term th thing you watch happen. You'll be an involuntary participant. And you are an involuntary participant in this right now. Like I just explained, when they steal from these stores, 
the prices get raised on the rest of us. We are all paying. You are an involuntary participant. You're not just someone who is watching these videos and laughing and, and rolling your eyes at the degradation of Western civilization and American society. You are an active participant because you are being affected by this. If you live in some of these cities, you are losing out on the opportunity to be able to shop at these stores. The retailers, they're closing stores in New York City, Seattle, San Francisco, and Portland, Oregon, and that's happening on October uh, 21st. Now, they have Target has 1,900 locations at this time, uh, but, um, and so that's only a small amount, but, you know, in, in these big cities, that's a big deal for these people who shop there, right? I've lived in New York, right? Retailers have been complaining about the waves of theft that have been going on in recent years, and what has that led to? More retailers locking up merchandise on shelves, hiring off-duty police officers, and ultimately closing many of these hard-hit stores. Walmart has been closing stores in urban areas like Chicago, Washington, D.C., and Portland, Oregon. And at the same time, a company spokesman for Walmart has said that theft wasn't just one of the driving factors of the closings. There, Nobody's buying in these stores. That's because these cities, these Democrat-run cities, are being hollowed out. Now, here is the thing that Mike Cernovich is alluding to, and it's something I'm not much for fear-mongering, but I will say this, that I do agree with him, and I think that that the Democrats are going to want to ramp up the violence for next year for the election. They are going to want to take advantage of this. They are going to want to stoke fear. They are going to want to create chaos and havoc. And God, to God knows what end. But when you have this kind of violence and people are trying to act as if there isn't some, there isn't some uh, cover being provided by the left for them, remind them of this comment. When they're stealing from Lululemon, and when they're stealing from Foot Locker and liquor stores, remind them of this clip. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money. So you maybe have to, you're, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. And so they go out and they need to feed their child. And they Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, if, uh, good morning, if you're just tuning in, over 2,000 people watching right now, love to see it. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. Send us a text. Let us know what's on your mind at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Don't forget to also click that like button on the stream and subscribe to the Wake Up America show that you're watching right now. We'd love to have you. We've always got great content and excellent guests. In just a few minutes, I'm going to speak to Vance Ginn. Vance is a former top White House economist. Under the Donald Trump administration, he worked at the OMB, that's Office for Management and Budget, and he's going to be joining us this morning at 7.30 a.m. to talk about rising interest rates, one, and how they're impacting middle-class families in the United States from being able to purchase homes, and he's also going to talk to us about the lawsuit that the Federal Trade Commission has filed against retailers like Amazon. Is this an example of the government doing its proper job and uh, targeting big corporations? Or is this really just more of federal looting on the federal level? I think that the lawsuit that's being filed against Amazon is a perfect example of the type of looting that you saw in the streets of Philadelphia professional, right? The government, the feds, they loot with suits and ties. The people, the Democrats in their Democrat-run cities, they loot in hoodies and they stream it on Twitch. And many of them, of course, 
are going to be arrested for doing so. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, 573-319-1586. Alex from Missouri just texted us for the first time today. Nice to hear from you, Alex. Thanks for contacting us. He says, I hate what this does for blacks as a diaspora. These loons' actions end up justifying the prejudice that we receive. Boy, that's interesting, Alex. It's a very interesting point of view. And you can share yours too. Alex, thanks for texting us this morning, and we're grateful to have you tuning in. I see you're from the 573, brother. Well, it's nice to hear from a local. As you know, the Wake Up America show broadcasts five days a week from Jefferson City, Missouri. That's where we're located right now. Uh, And uh, you can text us, of course, from anywhere in the world where you might be listening to us. And of course, we'd love to earn your like and your subscription as well. Uh, Again, the text line is open at 573-319-1586. Again, text the show at 573-319-1586. When you do so, um, I do respond to those text messages night or day. So usually when I write the show in the evenings, Um, I am checking the text lines as well to see if you guys maybe send me some good ideas of um, for the uh, topics for the show. You can send me topics for the show or anything that you like. I'd love to hear from you this morning again at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. All right, when we come back, we're going to hear from Vance Ginn, former Donald Trump economist, about the lawsuit against Amazon, more federal looting when we get back. On the Retail Rampage Show from Wake Up America, uh, I'm Austin Peterson. We'll be right back. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. Thank you for your patience this morning. We appreciate you very much. One time our listeners tune in and they're like, oh, is this show just all about commercials? Oh, heck no. But sometimes, you know, you need a little bit of time to be able to get your guests in here. I don't have a producer. It's a one-man show, two-person operation entirely. But the wife is at home helping to support us by taking your comments over there at rumble.com. We're grateful and glad to have you here on the Wake Up America show. If it's your first time watching us today, don't forget to click subscribe. We love to earn your subscription so that we can support the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty. And of course, if you're a regular here, you know to hit that like button. All right, well, we've been talking about the street level looters this morning in the retail rampage overnight when looters descended on stores in Philadelphia, where Alexandria Occasional Cortex says, Well, they're just there because they're hungry and they need to steal some bread so that they can feed their kids. They don't sell much bread at Lululemon or the Apple stores or at the liquor store, do they, really? No, it's time for us, though, to switch, well, not really topics. We're going to talk about the federal looters, you know, the ones who loot in suits and ties. Joining us now to discuss is Vance Ginn. He's a former top economist under the Trump White House. He runs his own little think tank these days. I just forget the name of it. Maybe Vance can tell us what it is. Good morning, Vance. Hey, good morning, Austin. It's a pleasure with you. It's uh, Gain Economic Consulting is what I'm doing now. Gain Economic Consulting. Well, we're glad to have you here, Vance. Thanks so much for this. Um, so tell us a little bit about what the Amazon lawsuit uh, by the FTC is all about. What is this issue um, really about? Well, it, really, it's about just going after any businesses that they can. <laughs> that seems to be profitable these days. Um, they don't like capitalism. They don't like consumer choices. And so they want to be in control. They being the Biden administration, Lena Khan, the Federal Trade Commission, even the DOJ at cancer over there. Uh, but their argument is, is that Amazon, with their prime membership and everything else, is essentially a monopoly that's controlling the market, you know, don't worry about that. There's other places you can buy things online or box stores or anything else. 
that Amazon truly is some sort of monopoly that through their prime, they're getting you and they're incentivizing you and everything else to buy specific products. And somehow that's bad for the consumers. And that's creating a monopoly situation that they are going to try to come in and quote unquote, save us because we shouldn't have um, those options. So it's a it's a bad situation and they're just going to make it worse. No, they, they absolutely are going to make it worse. And people don't understand how this impacts smaller businesses who actually have a model that's copacetic with Amazon. I actually run my own little retail store. And if you run a retail store, then you are de facto, quote unquote, competing with Amazon, right? So in, in some sense, the government could say, well, we're acting on behalf of Austin Peterson and his wife, Stephanie, and their AP for LibertyShop.com website, because we want to protect those small businesses so they can compete against Amazon. But here's the thing. We're never going to be able to compete against Amazon. I'm never going to be able to get shipping faster than 24 hours, which is a lot of these shipping times. And so what, I, what have I done? I've created merchandise at my shop that you can't get anywhere else, but I also sell it on Amazon. I just have to sell it at a little higher price over there because of the, of the fees, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. I have to innovate. I have to create a business that creates something that you can't get on Amazon so that you buy it from my store. So actually, Amazon is helping me to be a better retailer. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And I mean, it allows for more innovation to take place throughout the marketplace. Um, and, and, and really what antitrust, when it was created, the Sherman Antitrust Act back in the day, was really to go after some of the biggest companies in the business, right? And they were saying, look, they're dominating the marketplace and they're creating what in, in economic terms are consumer dead weight loss, right? Where you have not as much consumer satisfaction that's happening in those markets, but it's coming from a subjective government entity. It's not coming from an objective metric. There are ways that economists try to come up with this, but in my view, in the private sector, when there's competition and you can allow for, there's no barriers to entry, which are usually created by government, then there, there's not any monopolies because that just means that consumers, let's say there is one dominant player in the marketplace. It's because consumers like them, that they're getting the satisfaction that they want, that you with your business today, the AP store can go in and use Amazon. That's another consumer for them, but it doesn't mean that they're a bad consumer or bad supplier in the marketplace. It just means that people really like what they're providing. And I don't know about you, but I like to get my stuff the next day or even overnight or whatever else it's going to be with from Amazon. And if I pay for the prime and I'm a lot, and you know, I don't have to pay for every shipping along the way that reduces some of my transaction costs throughout the year. And so this is another way for them to come after us in some, some form. And Lena Khan, this is her, this was like her dissertation or her big approach whenever she was going through law school and everything else was going after Amazon. And now she's getting the opportunity as the head of the FTC. She's lost every other case that she's brought up. She brought up cases against meta platforms, for example. She lost that one. She brought up cases against Microsoft. She lost that one. I mean, this is an academic exercise for her. So I mean, like what, when you think about like the retardation of academia, she is the perfect example of that. Someone who's never run a business somebody who only has ever dwelled in theory, right? It's like Karl yeah. Marx trying to run a business, never contributed anything to society, never even so much as swept up a little shop to be able to take care of it, to understand how economics works, but who wants to ramrod these big businesses to comply with her ideology. Yep, yep. No, that's exactly right, Austin. And whenever I'm, you know, I, I just wrote a piece here recently for the Daily Caller on Google. So they're also going after Google because they're claiming that they're a monopoly for the search engines. Although you could also use Bing and DuckDuckGo and, you know, you'd name whatever other search engine you want. But 
that's one of them. Now Amazon's the next one. Who's next? Is it the AP store? Is it some other business that's out there that they're going to say, you know what? You're too profitable. You're making too much money and, and we've got to come after you. I, I just think that this is a, a domino effect that's going to set a bad precedent. And, uh, and unfortunately, you know, Austin, this is something I've been thinking about. We've got the left who doesn't like profitability. They, they, don't, they say greed, inflation and everything. But some on the right don't like these companies either. These yeah. quote unquote big tech companies because of, you know, maybe they, they're, they're going towards a social direction that they don't like because, or something well, else. Yeah, because I they're think a that's bunch of lawyers too. They're yeah. a bunch of lawyers too who have never run a business, right? So, I, so many of these people who are considered to be, uh, you know, the uh, anti-corporation right-wingers, they've never run a business. They've never filed for an LLC in their life. Somehow though, these lawyers get very wealthy once they go to Congress. <laughs> Somehow, very interesting. We are going to talk about Bob Menendez, as a matter of fact, with Judge Napolitano. So he's going to talk about his own senator from New Jersey here at uh, 8 a.m. this morning, about 20 minutes from now. So I hope people will stick around for that. I do look forward to that. No, this this just screws the little guy. People like ourselves, Stephanie and I, when we run our shop, um, you know, we we most most of our sales come from people who go to APforLibertyShop.com, right? Yeah. But you know, yesterday we sold a hat on Amazon.com, right? So we have a goal in order for, for us to maintain profitability, we have to sell a certain amount of items each day. And sometimes, you know, we get a sale on Amazon. It's not much, but it helps us to meet our, our goals. And so mm -hmm. yesterday when we heard about the Amazon lawsuit by the FTC, we know that that's going to hurt us because just like when they're looting on the streets of Philadelphia, the rest of us have to pay higher prices when we go to Lululemon or we go to Target or we go to the Foot Locker store. We all have to pay the higher prices. That affects us. When the federal government sues Amazon, it's not Jeff Bezos isn't going to give a crap at the end of the day. He's he, he will lose nothing. And it'll be the prices, them raising the prices on us that will make yeah. it more cost prohibitive, more expensive for us to be able to do business with Amazon. They don't have a single effing clue about how the the free market works, Vance, do they? Nope. No, they don't. They don't. And, and as, as you know, Austin, and your your viewers will, too, is, you know, the free market is what brings about the most amount of prosperity that we've ever known. And free market capitalism is the best path to let people prosper is, the, is what I like to say. And, you know, when we're not, one thing we've we've kind of hinted at here a little bit, but what are these what does this really do? It means that all the companies are going to have to beef up who the lawyers. There's going to be even more lawyers at these companies because they've got to fight back from what the government is bringing all these cases against them. And that really creates a barrier to entry for a lot of those smaller companies. And so it's going to make us less innovative. Um, have fewer opportunities to succeed and prosper in the future. Us. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, they raise the prices on the rest of us. You know, part yep. of my business, my business model is sometimes people buy little 3D printed Buddhas, right? So we have mm. like a little, we have a little 3D printer farm in our, in, in my, um, my office, in my house. Now there is nowhere in mid Missouri to buy parts for a 3D printer. Okay. I kind of live out in the boonies without Amazon. Uh, there's no way I could fulfill the needs of my customers around the country mm. because I wouldn't be able to get parts in time to repair these very highly technical machines. The, the, the Amazon Prime delivery service allows my wife and I to live the lives that we want to live. We want to get out of those Democrat-run cities, the hell holes that turn into nightmares of totalitarianism and looting and robbing. Like Literally, these big, big tech companies make it so that my wife and I can live rural away from these, these, these nightmare scenarios. So they're really taking away options from small businesses. But, but before I before I have you respond, Vance, I just want to reset real quick. We've got 2,200 people watching the show live right now. Can you believe this? 
That's great. That's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so last time I think when uh, when you were coming on, I think we had like 20, 30 people watching live. Uh, yeah. things, things have changed quite a bit, Vance. Uh, and we're glad That's to awesome. have we're had, glad to have such a big audience this morning. If you're just tuning in live, I'm your host, Austin Peterson. This is the Wake Up America show, and we stream the show live every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. We fight for economic freedom and personal liberty here. So if you love those ideas, you're in the right place. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel so that you can get updates when we go live every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. We'd love to make friends with you as well. So drop a comment over there on Rumble and say thank you to Rumble for featuring us over at the top of their website, because without them, uh, we certainly wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. Fighting against big tech and censorship and fighting for the little guy, then you should be uh, fighting for Rumble as well. Vance Ginn, who's joining us right now, is a former top economist during the Trump years. He was hired by Donald Trump to work as an economist at the OMB, and I always get that uh, name wrong when I try and say it, Office of Management and Budget. Is that correct, Vance? You got it. That's right. Okay. OMB. So he's a smart guy, and he knows a thing or two about economics. So I'd like to ask you specifically about what's happening for those of us who are in the market to perhaps buy a new vehicle, or if we're interested Mm. in buying a new house, because Vance, my wife and I got lucky. We got that 3.2% interest rate back in the day during the pandemic. We bought our house. So we're lucky and thankful right now. But when you're looking at a 7% interest rate, when we look at the house and the, the five acres that we bought, Right now, we could not afford to to live in the house that we live in right now if we were trying to buy it right now. And millions of Americans are facing this same dilemma, aren't they? They really are. I mean, yeah, so you you locked in well. I locked in right around that amount too a couple of years ago. But now, you know, it's actually closer to 8% now, Austin. It's 7.9% is the average 30-year mortgage rate. So it's more than double. That means the monthly payments that you would make have more than doubled. And then you got to think about the price, the valuation increases just over the last couple of years have been through the roof. They're, 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 they're moderating some now, but they're still way above where they were a couple of years ago. So you add in the higher price, you add in the higher interest rate, and you're right, I couldn't afford where I'm at either. <laughs> and, and so this is just something, and what's, what's bad is that you and I may have had the opportunity to have our incomes increase, but a lot of people haven't. And a lot of people have, especially not at the rate of inflation. We've seen that um, the you know, average household has had their um, real inflation-adjusted median household income is down about $7,000 just over the last three years under the Biden administration. $7,000 mean they can't buy nearly as much as they would before, much less all the housing and everything else that's going up in price around them. And car loans are also going up, those interest rates. And why? Because the central bank, the Federal Reserve, has been raising their overnight lending rate target the federal funds rate target from 0% to 5.5%. In Austin, I think by the end of the year, we're going to be closer to 6%. So you can expect for interest rates to keep going up because they can't get control of inflation, which is the number one thing that they should be doing if they're going to exist at all. And you know, I've been saying in the Fed as much as possible, um, but, I, but I don't know when that's going to happen. And so until then, we need good rules to play. And the other big thing too, Austin, is that we may have a government shutdown by the end of the month. If the Congress doesn't get their act together, and I don't know that they will. <laughs> Listen, my instinct, of course, when I hear about a government shutdown, Vance, is I say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. May there, may it never reopen and may salt be sown in the earth. And let's turn the Federal Reserve into a gun range where we can all go and enjoy the shooting machine guns one day, right? We, can, we don't live in, in fairy tale land. But is a, here's a real question. Is a government shutdown actually good for limited government? 
Or at the end of the day, don't they just use this as an excuse to screw us all in terms? They spend more money at the end of the day doing all this stuff, shutting it down and starting back up again. Yeah, yeah, they do. So they'll shut it down. They'll they'll make a big scene about things being shut down and some parks may shut down and everything else. And then what it does is incite some people to say, you know what, I don't want shutdowns. I don't want them to cut government spending. And instead, they'll come back and they'll for, they'll, they'll they'll repay. They'll, they'll reimburse everyone, quote-unquote, reimburse them for the time that they have lost. And even, even if they're shut down for a couple of months, all those workers and federal government employees will get their money back anyway. So, so the spending doesn't actually get cut. And then it actually incentivizes them to spend more in the future because they can point back and say, you know what, you don't want your party to be shut down, right? They'll change up the incentives on us when it's our taxpayer money. And so I like the idea of them shutting down and having this sort of uh, idea of, of these different dates where they've really got to make some decisions. But we've got some some weak politicians that are up there in D.C. from both of the major parties who don't want to make any decisions because who does it influence? It influences us. It influences us now through inflation and higher interest rates and in the future of more debt and higher interest rates and inflation and less economic opportunity. And so they're the ones that are screwing up our future and they've got to get this under control. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, good morning to our listeners. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, we're glad and grateful to have you here. Make sure that you click like and subscribe to the channel. We're grateful to have our 2,200 people watching us live right now. It's just insane. I mean, just a couple of months ago, Stephanie and I were kind of like looking at the numbers and we're kind of like, are we going to be able to do this? <laughs> are we going to be able to make this work for a living? And then all of a sudden, boom, overnight, rumble.com steps in after YouTube demonetized us and says, Hey, we think the Wake Up America show is worthwhile enough to feature at the top of their site. We are so grateful to Rumble. So say thank you to Rumble by clicking like and subscribing to this channel. And if you become a monthly supporter to the Wake Up America show, not only does part of your money go to support our show, but it also goes to support Rumble as well. So if you become a monthly um, uh, uh, contributing sponsor of the Wake Up America show through Rumble, you support the Wake Up America show. You support rumble.com and you get a 20% discount at ap4libertyshop.com. So everybody benefits through this one. That's the free market. And that's what my guest who's joining me right now is all about. He's Vance Ginn, a former top economist under the Donald Trump White House. We're talking a little bit about Bidenomics. So speaking of Bidenomics, um, higher gas prices, higher interest rates, an unrestrained Federal Reserve. What is the economic plan that the White House is currently operating under? Because it seems like utter chaos, like they're just making it up as they go. What's happening in the White House right now when it comes to the state of the U.S. economy? What are they doing, Vance? Well, their policies are crushing Americans. <laughs> they're crushing Americans' hopes and dreams. At the same time, I think what they hope that they're doing is they talk about, you know, what is it, the middle class out? And the bottom up or something like that. And I and really what's happening here is they're weeding out the middle class. They're making more in the bottom and, and fewer at the top. And and what what's happening here also is that with the higher interest rates and the higher inflation, it hurts the lower income people the most. Now they have seen their wages increase at the bottom, but not nearly as fast as inflation over time. And that is really what's crushing folks. And and we're we're also starting to see a weaker or a softening labor market. The labor market has appeared, at least on the surface, somewhat strong. Low unemployment rate. We've had jobs being created and everything else. But the we started to see um, the labor force participation rate has been coming down. We've also seen that the jobs numbers have been going down as well. And so I think these are indicative of the weaker economy that we've had overall. And a lot of these 
numbers in the labor market were being, you know, uh, they, were, they weren't being true to us because so many people have dropped out of the labor force. There are 4 million fewer people that are, there are 4 million more people that are not in the labor force than compared to before the pandemic. 4 million, Austin. If you add them back in, instead of having about a 3.8% unemployment rate, it would be closer to 6.5%, which would not be a robust economy. And so I think there's a lot of weakness that's going on. It's a direct result of the bad policies out of D.C. I completely agree. Vance, I didn't prepare you for this question, but uh, hopefully you'll be able to roll the punch here. Have you been able to uh, uh, see any of the clips uh, or hear much or read much about the Argentinian presidential candidate, Javier Millet? I have. Uh, yes. Your thoughts on this guy? Yeah, I mean, he talks a good game. You know, he talks about... Um, crushing even basically getting back to he has a libertarian sort of bent which i yeah. like right a classical liberal bent where he's this saying look we're going to cut government spending we're going to cut regulations i mean cut 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 and get back more power to the people there in argentina and i think that's what they need i mean they have they've been dealing with hyperinflation they've been dealing with a lot of bad policies for a number of years and this is the direction that we need to go i would love to see someone start taking this on in america as well because both major parties right now are having problems coming up with a pro-growth message. Um, and, and so it's interesting, you know, tonight we'll also have the Republican presidential debate that's going on at the Reagan uh, over in California. And, and it'll be interesting to see if they have any pro-growth messages, but they might want to look and see what Malay is doing over in Argentina because he's got some good ideas. <laughs> who, do you, who do you like out of the uh, Republican presidential candidates that will be debating tonight? Yeah, Austin, it's a, it's a good question. You know, I, I, um, I, 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 I like Ron DeSantis a lot. I think that um, I'm hoping that he comes up with more of a pro-growth message and gets off of some of the populist things he's talking about. But I think he's got a good story to tell about Florida and everything else. I also like Vivek Ramaswamy a lot. I think he's got some good discussion points there. He's talked about ending the Fed, by the way. And, um, he, you know, he's just a really smart guy that I think could could really bring a lot of challenge. And he's talking about, you know, cutting the Federal Reserve to 10 percent of their staff and, and slashing the bureaucracy. That's really what we need to be talking about. He today. wants to fire a million federal employees. Uh, I mean, yes, you can't get much better than that. For my no. money, for my money, I like Vivek Ramaswamy. But it looks like your old boss is going to be the likely nominee. I, you know, there was this old um poster that used to get shared around when obama was president and it showed george w bush and he's kind of waving and it says miss me yet but uh i think a lot of people who thought who never thought that they would miss donald trump probably because of bidenomics are probably missing donald trump at least a little bit wouldn't you say yeah yeah i think so i think so <laughs> it, was, it was a different time it was a, a robust economy back then um but it'll be interesting to see what happens you know who else i, I should mention here who's talked a good game at least in the budget stuff and some regulation stuff I don't agree with all of her stuff, but Nikki Haley, she's been talking about cutting government spending and doing some things. Um, there's some other things that I don't necessarily agree with her on, on, on some of the foreign policy, but I think these are the types of discussions we need to be having. And I'm hopeful that, you know, um, Donald Trump will also start to talk about that as well. You know, he's kind of went off on these other tangents that's going on. I know there was another, I guess, um, uh, another case that's against him over in New York that just came up as yeah, well. So there's, like there's a, a lot of case for like yeah, overinflating the value of his assets, which who has, yeah. you know, the, which is funny because most of us want like our assets to be undervalued so that we don't have to pay the taxes yes. on them. But we, we could talk about that a little bit later. Vance, uh, I got to run because we got the judge coming up yep. here in just a few minutes to talk about the corruption case against Bob Menendez. Vance, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners or plug before we let you go? 
Yeah, so it's always a pleasure to be with you. I'm glad that you're getting so many viewers and everything else. It's, it's awesome. Keep that going. Um, all the viewers can check me out at vanceskin.com, uh, where I have a, a podcast show, Let People Prosper Show, where I think they'll really enjoy what I discuss on there between having different guests on, but also talking about the economy from a free market perspective all the time. So be sure to check that out as well. Let people prosper. There you go. Let people prosper. So if you like what you heard from Vance Skin today, make sure that you download his podcast as well. Vance, good to see you again. Thanks for getting up so early and joining us this morning on the show. Have a good one. Been a pleasure. Have a good one, Austin. Thank you very much. What do you think of Vance Skin? Send us a text at 573 573- 319-1586. We brought up Vivek Ramaswamy. It's perfect segue for me to play this clip. I thought it was pretty awesome. When we spoke to James O'Keefe. People don't have access to the information. Mm-hmm. So that's my job. I, I think there's a version of what you're doing that gives me some inspiration and ideas for how to do this in the federal government as well. Hmm. I mean, we're talking about taking on the deep state. Okay. What is that? The managerial class. The administrative, the, state? The administrative state, right? The, the people who were never elected. Mm-hmm. to be in a policymaking function that are functionally in a policymaking function, even though we say they're not. Mm-hmm. I think exposition is a big part of the key to success. It's at least the first step, right? I mean, I think one of the things that Musk did at Twitter that I thought was pretty good, simple first step is just publish the files of what the government mm-hmm. actors pressured this one private company to do. I think there's a version of this for what I'll call the state action files. I want to do this pretty early on is just anytime a government official in the federal government has pressured a private party or a private actor to do something that the government couldn't do directly, I think there are all kinds of ways in which that's illegal and we need to deliver accountability, but let's just start with step one, just publish it. Mm-hmm. Let's just see it. You got to roll the log over and yes. see what calls out. Yes, there's an element to this. Grows every day. All right, well, let's get a man of power himself. Judge Andrew Napolitano is coming up next to talk about the bribery charges against his own senator, Bob Menendez. We'll hear what he has to say when we get back. Don't go away. I know it's commercials, but I'm the only producer here, so I need a couple minutes to get the judge in here. Relax. We'll be back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and grateful to have you here. All you 2,000 beautiful, shining faces, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson, and you are watching the Wake Up America show, which streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. So make sure that you come back and join us every day here where we support the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty. If you support those ideas too, then don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel that you're watching this on live right now. Now, we've got a lot of great regular guests on the show, but none are greater than our regular Wednesday guest. Every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Central Time, one of the leading lights for liberty in the world joins us, my good friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano. He's the host of the Judging Freedom podcast, which you can download on any of your devices and read his weekly column at judgenap.com. Good morning, Judge. Uh, good morning, Austin. Thank you for the generous invitation uh, introduction. It's always a pleasure. It's the highlight of my week these Wednesday mornings. <laughs> Same here, Judge. Everybody looks forward to it, and we're glad to have you here. We got a nice big audience, and they're excited to hear your thoughts on the bribery allegations made against your senator, Bob Menendez. I imagine that you know you being a big wig as well. You've probably had the opportunity to meet him over the years. You probably know a thing or two about the man. Uh, your thoughts on this case against him? Well, I think the it, this is the political side of first and then the legal side. Politically, the Democrats, of course, are terrified 
uh, that he might survive a primary challenge and run as a wounded um, uh, incumbent, and the Republicans might take a Senate seat from the Democrats in New Jersey for the first time in 52 years. Uh, they don't care about the uh, presumption of innocence. They also don't care about the McDonald case, about which in a moment, uh, all they know is the FBI and the federal prosecutors in New York uh, have tarnished Senator Menendez almost irretrievably. The indictment itself includes photographs, uh, photographs of gold bars and cash and clothing, photographs, take it to the bank, that the jury will never see. Because just like the photographs of documents seized at Mar-a-Lago, this is a graphic display made by a graphic artist and a photographer who worked for the FBI, intended to tarnish the image of the defendant in the minds of the public from among whom the jury will be chosen. In terms of the actual allegations against him, you know, I don't carry water for him. I don't think I agree with him on anything except maybe the, the confirmation of a, a few federal judges. Uh, the McDonald case, that's Bob McDonald, the governor of Virginia, was uh, convicted in federal court of accepting a Rolex uh, and $50,000 for the uh, payment for a wedding for his daughter from a constituent for whom he was doing favors. The Supreme Court reversed it nine to nothing and said only something of value given for the official exercise of governmental power is bribery. Not doing favors uh, for friends not asking other officials to do favors for friends, just the corrupt exercise of power. So if somebody paid Senator Menendez to change his vote on the floor of the Senate, that would be an act of bribery. But trying to um, make things easier for political prisoners uh, in Egypt, trying to make things easier for constituents of his, that's what uh, senators do. Now, how he's going to explain the cash and the gold bars, I don't know. But the McDonald case is a significant obstacle uh, to the government. And the tarnishing of him and the piling on of him uh, is reprehensible. Do you think that the government sees it that way, Judge? I mean, that, that's your libertarian perspective on it. But if they see that Senator Bob Menendez, for example, uh, took cash in exchange for uh, ensuring that arms deals to Egypt were being conducted, then the government and people who aren't of our ideological ilk will see that as bribery, even if you or I don't. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. That's, that's the reason for uh, the piling on, uh, that people in New Jersey, who've only been exposed to the photographs uh, in the indictment, crafted by FBI graphic designers and photographers, presume that he is guilty. Um, they they don't presume that uh, that he is innocent, uh, and hence hence the piling on. But the piling on is just for political purposes. It's not that they don't like Menendez personally. It's not that they disagree with him uh, politically. It's not even that they're outraged at the allegations. They just fear uh, that because this happened to him before, and and the um, judge threw the case out, and the government decided not to reprosecute the. Um, uh, the Democrats' fear, as I said, is that a Republican, God forbid, a Republican might represent New Jersey. 
you know, if a Republican represents New Jersey, rest assured it'll be a Republican who votes with the War Party, the Welfare Party, the Emergency State uh, Party, the industrial, military industrial uh, congressional complex party. Speaking of the military industrial complex, if I may, it's a little rabbit hole, but you'll appreciate this. The granddaughter of President Dwight D. Eisenhower recently stated, I don't know if you're familiar with this, that she saw the original draft of his famous speech. And it originally said military industrial congressional complex. And at the last minute, he crossed out congressional. And he said, I still have a couple bills out there. I want them to pass. I don't want to piss them off. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I didn't know. I did not know that. Well, that reminds me a little bit of the uh, Congressman Ron Paul's final speech uh, when he was um, exiting Congress. And he called his colleagues psychopathic authoritarians to their faces. Um, yes. He certainly was very brave. Uh, and so are you, Judge. We're glad to have you here on the Wake Up America show. For all of our listeners who are tuning in right now, don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel. We love having Judge Andrew Napolitano here every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Central Time. He's a regular guest and a friend of the show. So if you like his content, make sure that you subscribe to the channel and then come back every Wednesday so you can hear our discussions and conversations. Judge, I know I didn't um, prepare you to ask you about the Trump case in New York, but I wonder if um, if you are prepared to to give us a little breakdown on it or if you've thought about it too deeply. Sure. This The New York Post this morning is claiming that this is devastating to the former president. This fraud ruling that cancels his business licenses is a, quote, devastating blow for the ex-president, according to the New York Post, at least. Your thoughts? Well, I'm the source of that New York Post article on the basis of an interview I had with them late last night. So I, I, I obviously agree. It is a devastating blow to him. So he is accused uh, by the Attorney General of New York of radically overstating the value of his assets in order to get larger loans at lower interest rates than the assets would normally uh, generate or justify. His defense is, I paid the loans back, I paid it back with interest, and nobody uh, lost a nickel. Unfortunately for him, the law says uh, bank fraud, even if nobody, which is making a material misrepresentation to a lender in order to induce the lender to, to lend you money at a, at a given rate, um, bank fraud um, is actionable even if nobody lost any money. And if bank fraud has occurred regularly, consistently, and systematically, then the attorney general stands in the shoes of those who were defrauded uh, and can sue the person who did this. So this lawsuit is brought in a New York State commercial court. Uh, There's no jury, so the judge is the jury. And yesterday, two days before the trial was supposed to start, the judge ruled on summary judgment, said, I'm looking at these documents. Uh, These are the Trump Organization documents that I'm looking at. And it is clear that the assets were grossly uh, overstated. And it is clear that had the banks and insurance companies known the true value uh, of the assets, they would not have gotten these favorable rates. Therefore, the judge ruled, Uh, I will um, suspend the licenses of the Trump Organization to do business in New York. And the only issue at the trial is the amount of damages. So 
Trump Tower, I'm making up the numbers. He tells uh, a bank it's worth $10 billion, and they give him high, low interest rates, and they'll loan him a great deal of money. Tells the city it's worth $2 billion, and they tax him on the $2 billion. Trump says, that's not my fault. The city should send its own appraisers, and Deutsche Bank is sophisticated. They should send their appraisers. Everybody exaggerates. Okay, everybody does exaggerate, but lying under oath repeatedly um, is not a justifiable exaggeration. Example, his triplex apartment in Trump Tower, uh, he stated, was 33,000 square feet. That's saying almost the size of the White House, 33,000, uh, White House is 40,000 square feet, 33,000 uh, square feet. Turns out it's 11,000 square feet. Did he say this once? No, he said this dozens uh, of times under oath, and it was relied on dozens of times by lenders and uh, insurers. So the judge said, well, there's no reason for a trial uh, because these are his documents that I can see uh, are fraudulent. The only issue at trial is how much money does he owe the attorney general? She's looking for a quarter of a billion dollars, looking for 250 million, which is the profit that the Trump organization made on these fraudulent loans it obtained from Deutsche Bank. Judge, they're going to bankrupt him. Uh, you know, he's worth a lot of money, but $250 million, uh, is is an extraordinary amount. You're not talking about Fox News and $700 million. Fox is publicly traded. Trump organization is not publicly traded. It's owned by him and his uh, relatives. Uh, it's a serious, serious blow. It's a serious blow to the real estate community uh, in New York City. Uh, the the buildings that have his name on it, and I, I, I'm smiling and use the phrase with precision because he has claimed he owns these buildings he doesn't own all of all of them he owns portions of some of them but the buildings with his name on them in new york city are some of the prime real estate uh in the city this will have a significant uh ripple effect on real estate values in new york Fascinating conversation if we're speaking to judge andrew napolitano good morning i'm your host austin peterson on the wake up america show Make sure that you click like and subscribe to the channel. If you enjoy the content that you're hearing this morning, we'd love to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. The Good Judge joins us every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Central Time for these big brain discussions. Judge, I mean, if he's getting a $250 million judgment, th that's one thing. But he's got, what, 91 other indictments against him? He's trying to raise money to foot the bills. He can't pay for, for that and then all of these lawyers as well. I mean... How much money does the president have? I mean, I don't know how in the you know, world. I, I don't I don't know what he's worth. What one of the uh, documents that I read last night um, so cited his lawyers claiming he's worth one point nine billion. I doubt that it's that much, but uh, it's he has a tremendous um, uh, legal challenge ahead of him. It's it's four indictments, but 91 individual criminal acts alleged uh, among the four indictments. And his defense was, my lawyers told me I could do it. Yeah. Advice sure. of counsel. And then he shot himself in the foot by going on Meet the Press saying, I didn't believe my lawyers when when they gave me advice. I don't respect them. They're rhinos, Republicans in name only. I know a lot of rhinos that graduated first in their class at Harvard Law School. Who cares what their politics are? You want the brightest and the best lawyers you can get. 
but he just removed the defense of advice of counsel from his lawyer's armaments. And I don't know what defenses he has. He's now going to be stuck with his own documents and his own former uh, employees testifying against him. He is, in short, his own worst enemy. Judge, we've heard a lot of people talking about a constitutional crisis. The media loves to play that up, typically whenever a Republican is president. But if Donald Trump wins the Republican nomination, which it looks likely as if he is able to do, and if Donald Trump wins the presidency, which the latest poll showed him 10 points ahead from the Washington Post, which that might be an outlier, but he's probably leading at least a little bit due to Bidenomics and the bumbling and fumbling of the current administration and our economy. Are we set for a real constitutional crisis if Donald Trump is accorded jail time in any of these 91 indictments made against him, these 91 charges brought against him, and then he's ordered to serve jail time if for a state-level crime for which he cannot pardon himself since he would be only able to pardon himself for federal crimes, and therefore he should be required to govern from a jail cell. Is that a real constitutional crisis we may be headed towards? Well, if if that happened, it would be a constitutional crisis. I doubt that that would happen. I would think that the Supreme Court would spring him until the end of his uh, term. So if he's convicted in Georgia and sentenced to uh, jail, I don't think the jail would, and then elected president of the United States, I don't think the jail term uh, could because the, the state uh, government apparatus cannot interfere with um, uh, with the presidency under the supremacy clause in the Constitution. I would think that the uh, jail term, if he receives one, if he's convicted, would defer to his four years in the White House and, and would uh, be held in abeyance until then. So he really could shoot somebody in Fifth Avenue and not lose any supporters and then continue to be the president. Now your, your, your audience needs to know that this is not just you being humorous. You are quoting something he actually said when he was running against Mrs. Clinton, that he's so popular he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and he wouldn't be uh, prosecuted. It almost sounds as though, I hate to say this, Austin, you know, I know him very well and very well. Uh, it almost sounds as though he believes that. <laughs> Judge, he he listened to you. I, I mean, I think that you take credit in a way for his uh, choosing of Neil Gorsuch to be a, a Supreme Court justice. Here's the, the thing. He has alienated and fired and pushed so many people who may be the most competent people that there might be in order to serve in many of these government roles. On the political level, people say that if he comes back and he becomes the president again, that he will enact his revenge on the deep state, that he will go like bull in a china shop and destroy many of these institutions, which, of course, you and I would love to see, and many liberty lovers would love to see, um, even though some people say, oh, well, he didn't do it the first time, and so why would he do it this time? Now he has more of an incentive than ever to to take a knife to the, the bureaucratic state. So on a political level, first of all, who does he hire? that's actually competent, that he hasn't already alienated. I mean, he can't hire the MyPillow guy, Mike Lindell, to be the head of the Department of Defense, for God's sakes. He's alienated all the generals, right? You know, he's all of his lawyers. I mean, how many lawyers are, I know there's a lot of lawyers out there, but I mean, I mean, would he hire you, Judge? I mean, how does he put together an administration based on the fact that most of the people that he could have hired have already, they've stabbed in the back, they've written books about him, right? Uh, how does this happen? I mean, yeah, we, we this, appear this to be headed break, towards chaos. 
That's a great question. We are headed toward chaos. I thought he had found uh, the right person in Bill Barr. Now, of course, they uh, they hate each other and and uh, say unpleasant things uh, about each other. I don't know who could work for him unless he hires people whose missions are to dismantle the entity over which they are to preside. I mean, suppose he appointed Ron Paul uh, to replace Jay. P- <laughs> this is a pipe dream. To replace Jay Powell as the chair of the uh, of the Federal Reserve. Well, now the Senate would never confirm that nomination, but assuming that things like that happen, people like that appointing uh, someone with my attitude about law enforcement to dismantle the FBI, someone uh, with Larry Johnson's attitude about the CIA to dismantle the non-analytical parts of it, the parts that kill people and wage wars and things like that. That's um, probably the way to do it. Uh, I do believe he has a far better understanding of how government works now uh, than he did uh, the first time uh, he was there. And there may very well be reasons to vote for him, even if he does run uh, against uh, Joe Biden, because he can put two sentences together. Uh, He doesn't fall when he's coming uh, off a plane. He pretty much understands what's going on around him. And he's a strong-willed person. He is his own person. He's not being run by uh, puppeteers around him. And he hates hates the deep state. Hates uh, the deep state, which, of course, you and your listeners and I know is the permanent part of the government that never changes, no matter who's in the White House and which party uh, controls Congress. These are the people that spy on us, that manipulate uh, the value uh, of our cash, that uh, prosecute and persecute people for their thoughts. Judge, um, there seems to be a little bit of confusion over on the chat this morning. Um, they seem they seem to think that the president can pardon himself for a state level crime as well. My understanding was that the pre- that only a governor can pardon a state level crime, but the president can pardon federal crimes. Is that correct? It is generally correct. The president can only pardon uh, federal crimes. Not all governors have pardoning power. The governor of Georgia does. So not every state governor can pardon whoever he wants. It's different by states. But it is clear that the president of the United States cannot pardon a non-federal crime. It's also unclear as to whether he can pardon uh, himself. I mean, one of the basic premises of American jurisprudence is that a person can't be judge, jury, and executioner, in it, or judge and jury, not executioner, right. judge and jury in his own case. And pardoning yourself effectively makes you the judge and jury in your own case. But again, this has never been touched by any courts in the land because I mean, no one has Trump tried to try. pardon him. But you know Trump would try it. You know he would try it. I, I, would, I would, can't say that I would blame him. <laughs> well, will old, Joe, will old Joe pardon Hunter and himself? Well, if he doesn't run for re-election, yes. If he runs for re-election and loses, yes. If he runs for re-election and wins, yes. Hey, so uh, this is just an absolute <laughs> nightmare. I mean, I, I, you got to laugh to keep from crying, Judge. I just, uh, I don't know how to deal with this kind of stuff. It's a very strange time to be a libertarian. In some ways, it's obviously terrible, right? But then it, it always seems to be terrible for those of you, us who love uh, less government and more freedom. But in other ways, it's kind of it's kind of beautiful in a way, because I think the the level of distrust that Americans have in government is at a historic high. Actually, I had reported on a Pew poll the other day that showed that the amount of distrust that Americans have 
for when it comes to the their government is at record levels. And it's, you know, people, I think the pandemic probably woke a lot of people up, didn't it, Judge? I, I, I think you're right. And I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. I think the pandemic was a dry run for other things to come. The governor of New Mexico tried it, and the federal judge stopped her almost immediately when she said, no, no guns in the city of Albuquerque, even though the Supreme Court has made it very clear uh, about the right to keep and bear arms. I think you're going to see more and more uh, nibbling away. New York and uh, California just enacted legislation to tax guns and, am and ammunition. This is clearly unconstitutional. This is like a poll tax. This is putting a financial obstacle you know, on the path to the exercise of a fundamental liberty. I have to think sales taxes are unconstitutional. I think all taxes are unconstitutional, but they must at least be a fair and even across the board. Are you going to tax uh, ink to make it more expensive to produce a newspaper? Are you going to tax microphones to put people like you and me out of business? You're going to tax guns so people can't protect themselves? You can't do that. That violates the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. But that's Judge, what we're confronting, and the states will keep trying this to see how much of it they can get away with. Judge, our mutual friend uh, Owen Schroyer gave a speech on the date of January 6th uh, at, at the uh, protest. He did not go inside the Capitol building. He was outside giving a speech in support of the protests on that day. He has now been served with a jail sentence that day. Um, is free speech uh, truly true free speech at risk here in the United States in regards to these January 6th protesters, at least some of them? Yes. I mean, I, I say this even even though he, he is our friend, even if he weren't our friend, I would defend his right to speak. I mean, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. It's obvious that to the courts, no law does not mean no law. The, the standard is a case called Brandenburg versus Ohio. Another unanimous decision, which says that all innocuous speech is absolutely protected, and all speech is innocuous when there is time for more speech to challenge it. So he could have he could have said in front of the Capitol, "There's Mike Pence to to a, to a bunch of people carrying torches and pitchforks. There's Mike Pence. Go get him." <laughs> and if there's time for speech to challenge that. His speech is absolutely protected. I don't know what he said, but it's inconceivable to me uh, that what he said is not protected by the First Amendment. Judge, this uh, this uh, column, your weekly column at judgenapp.com deals with this issue. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners or perhaps give us a little plug on what you have coming up on your great show, Judging Freedom? Yesterday, I had one of the most interesting, we just posted it, uh, conversations I've ever had with the great, you should interview him if you haven't. The great professor John Mearsheimer. Oh boy, is he fabulous in explaining why the West caused the war in Ukraine, why Ukraine cannot win. And I did not know this. He's a graduate of West Point, <laughs> Professor Mearsheimer. I mean, he's he's the head of the politics department at the University of Chicago, and he's a graduate of West Point. A terrific and brilliant guy. Today, uh, you know her, another friend, mutual friend of ours. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Karen uh, Kwiatkowski on why logistically it's impossible for Ukraine uh, to win uh, and the government of Ukraine uh, must know it. I wonder if the government of Canada knows it. 
Boy, is that thing just mind-boggling. The Canadian government invites an ex-Nazi to hear uh, Zelensky's speech. They give the guy a standing ovation. It doesn't go well in the press. And then Pierre Trudeau gets on national television and blames Vladimir Putin. What? Did Putin invite this Nazi to, to the Canadian Parliament? I mean, you can't make this up. You see, Judge, this is why this is why I, I I have a hard time believing in the concept of like like overarching conspiracies of puppet masters who are behind all of these events because they're just so damn stupid, Judge. They're too yeah. stupid. That, yeah. that you know, that's why they can't run healthcare. That's why we need a free market. That's why we need less government because they're morons. Judge, you're a brilliant man, Judge, and a great light of liberty in the world. Many people look up to you, including myself. Thank you very much for your time today. We look forward to uh, seeing you next week. I'm already, I'm already looking forward to next Wednesday. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Watch the Judge's show, Judging Freedom, as well as read his, reading his weekly column at JudgeNap.com. Thank you very much to Judge Napolitano. We appreciate him very much. All right, coming up next, Chevy Chase says he hated working on the show Community, and the writer's strike may be over, which means... Hollywood now has more time to take a crap on all of our favorite intellectual properties. Great. We'll talk about that when we get back with John Miltimore on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. Welcome back to the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Glad to have you here. A thousand people watching us live. That's very exciting. I was just talking to my buddy, John Miltimore. He's waiting in the wings beyond the stage here in just a second about uh, how much I appreciated my wife for supporting my cockamamie scheme to start a podcast and monetize it and not have a, a job working a regular nine to five. No, we still have to get up at 4.30 a.m. You know, maybe nine to five would be a lot easier, but I took the hard route and I said, hey, this is my dream. Let's build a business. Let's work together and make an awesome talk show and hopefully the advertisers will come. And sure enough, they did. Lear Capital took a big risk in the early days of the Wake Up America show when we only had 20 or 30 people watching and said, you know what, Austin? We like your message. We like what you stand for. We think that your audience is going to love what Lear Capital has to offer. And as someone who believes deeply and profoundly in investing in gold and silver as a way to hedge against inflation, I was glad that they took that step. And it's your chance now to get a $500 account credit. If you're investing in gold and silver or you want to secure your financial freedom in the future against the Federal Reserve's inflationary policies, gold is the way to go. You can get a $500 account credit today if you call that number 1 800 885 2175. That's 1 800 885 2175. If you just want to get more information from Lear Capital, but you are phone averse, and I know a lot of people my age and younger certainly are, you can visit that website, LearAustin.com. That's L-E-A-R-A-U-S-T-I-N.com. Visit LearAustin.com. They'll send you a free gold and silver information packet. You can find out how to get a gold Roth IRA, and that's actual physical metals. You could take uh, control of it anytime, but you want to get those tax advantages, right? So a Roth IRA is a good way to invest in precious metals and secure your uh, retirement against inflation. But if you want to get those metals in your hand and you want to buy them directly, the $500 account credit is available only to people who make the phone call. So call them today. You don't have to buy today, and they're not going to give you a whole bunch of high-pressure sales tactics. They'll just they'll open your account. They'll make sure that you have that $500 account credit whenever you're ready to make your purchase they're good to go. 1-800-885-2175. Write that number down or put it in your phone. 
1-800-885-2175 to get the $500 account credit today. And tell them, hey, by the way, thank you for supporting economic freedom, personal liberty, and shows like the Wake Up America show. Austin and Stephanie certainly appreciate it. We appreciate you very much. All right. So um, the writer's strike may be over, right? They people think Some people think, oh, that's great. All oh, our shows are going to start it up. As a matter of fact, I saw that they're going to do a reboot of The Office. And Stephanie, my wife, was kind of excited about it. She was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to reboot The Office. And I'm like, I was like PPing all over that. I was like, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be crap. We all know what woke Hollywood has turned into. So the writer's strike might be over, but that might not necessarily be a good thing. Joining us now to discuss is a man who knows a thing or two about unions and economics himself, as he is the editor at large, um, quite large himself. John Miltimore joining us from the Foundation for Edu- Economic Education right now. Good morning, John. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, AP, and I'm, I'm getting larger every week. Larger, same thing, same, same, same here, Sadly. John. Glad to have you here, brother. Um, so the writers' strike probably over. They made some concessions when it comes to artificial intelligence, is what I'm hearing. So give us a skinny. Yeah, you know the whole AI thing. I think was a little overblown. If you look, like AI's mentioned like once, maybe twice, and all those in, in hundreds, thousands of words of demands. It was more about you know just the brass tacks about money. Um, they did get some AI concessions. A- as you point out, none of this is final yet. You know, the, the unions still need to vote on this contract. But they did, you know, they're going back to work, which is kind of why I, I think people are looking at, at at this as kind of being a done deal. Um, yeah, I don't know about you. I, I popped a, be- a bottle of champagne and, and celebrated when I heard this. I'm joking. Like, I, I <laughs> like most people, I, I didn't really care about the strike. Um I'm I'm watching reruns of Cheers and Seinfeld and Rings Wings most of the time anyway. If I watch anything, um, Hollywood's not creating all much great art right now, right? Like let's face it, and and they're going back to the well. There's a reason they're bringing The Office back from the dead. Um, they're not producing good content. They're they're out of ideas and um, they're afraid, right? Like I think that's that's a big part of it. Like people are afraid to be funny anymore. Um, it, it's too bad. Um, but you know, as far as the strike goes, I always said um all the incentives pointed to getting a deal done there was too much money to be lost some estimates say there's been about five billion dollars uh lost in 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 value creation since the strike began um so you you know both it was in the interest of both the studios and the writers to get a deal done um both sides will probably grumble about some of this but um they're they're going back to work i i just wouldn't hold my breath that suddenly they're going to be cranking out great shows i I mean there's just not too many to be had certainly not much funny right like there's still some good dramas out there um but there's not a lot of humor and i think that's that's a shame oh dude you just nailed it because i honestly i've been thinking that myself lately is that like when my wife and i sit down and we want to watch a movie or a show or something at night we're always trying to find something funny but there is no comedies out there there's no like new comedy movies like we're going to talk about chevy chase here in just a minute but i mean the we have, if you want to watch something funny, you got to go back like 10 years and you're right. I think people are afraid to be funny. Why are they afraid to be funny, John? Well, if you look, comedians have talked about this. It's a terrifying time to be a comedian because comedy is built on going after sacred cows saying things you're not supposed to poking at these things. Um, and today, if you, if you go a little too far, suddenly you're, you're getting, you know, sent out on a rail. Um, you know, it goes back years. Jerry Seinfeld, it's been close to close to 10 years now where Jerry Seinfeld said, I won't perform on campuses because everybody gets offended by everything. If you look, Seinfeld was a show designed that way, right? 
awkward conversations, things that offend people. You know, so most of it's not even political, right? Like not that kind of, but just things that uh, you know that awkward humor. You know, same with the the, the old British Office. Not more than more than the Steve Carell one. Go back to um, the the David Brent in the UK Office. It's all that stuff. He's saying things that he's not supposed to, and it's hilarious. Um, and increasingly, you, what you have are artists that are afraid to write those 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 bits. And um, it, it's a shame because that that is like one of the great parts of comedy. Um, and you, you have some like I, I'd say the last really funny show. Um, I don't know if you watched Silicon Valley in HBO. Yeah, the first uh, couple of seasons were funny and it kind of fell off after that. I, I, I thought it was a brilliant show. And it really, you know, it, it impressed me to, and, you know, right right up to the end. Um, I thought it was, and, and they, they did poke a lot of fun at Silicon Valley, right? Like, like the people that were always, you know, to build a better earth, like all, all this altruism <laughs> when they were just regular people that were just really interested in money and sex and things that, you know, drive the, the, the modern, you know, person. I liked the part where, uh, the, uh, was it like the, the Peter Thiel character or whatever is like getting the blood of a young person. He's like, oh, he looks so Aryan and healthy and young. And the funny thing about that is that, that people actually do that in so like the wealthy people, I don't know what it's called, but, uh, but like, it's something that only like Alex Jones was talking about for a number of years, but like people do that where they get like the blood of young people and they transfer it. It doesn't work. Right. But they, they, they try that kind of weird crap anyway. But that's what makes the show so funny because you realize all of this is built on reality, right? Um, like Hooli, the, the, the competitor to the young, you know, upstarts, um, in, in what they call the incubator, you know, Hooli's like the Google and they got this, this kind of tyrannical CEO, um, who like even their symbol it's like it's like a like a, the the symbol that mark uh, uh, jeff bezos uses right like it, it's a very phallic symbol and, and he doesn't realize it that's the joke right like he created this um it's it's basically a testicles and a penis and, and that's his symbol but it looks like it's it, 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 it's a play on the amazon logo right like all this stuff is built on on uh reality which it makes it you know so funny there's just not a lot of shows like that anymore. And that one's that, and that was Mike Judge, right? He goes back years. He's the old Beavis and Butthead writer. Um, he's a guy that has the cred to do this and and not get canceled, right? Like he's he's established. But for young writers out there trying to do this stuff, I think it's really tough. Yeah, no kidding. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, all 1,000 of you this morning, good morning. I'm your host Austin Peterson. We're glad to have you here. Make sure that you click like and subscribe to the channel and join us. Again, every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time, the Wake Up America show streams live, fighting for economic freedom and personal liberty. We talk about news, politics, and sometimes we talk about arts and gossip and movies and TV. I'm speaking to the editor at large for the Foundation for Economic Education right now, a little bit about the end of the uh, Hollywood writer's strike. One of the interesting parts about the Hollywood writer's strike is that they had to give up some concessions when it came to the use of AI. So, for example, this morning, when I wanted to create the thumbnail for the Wake Up America show, the background for it, I needed um, a, a copyright-free image of people looting the Target stores because the big story is overnight last night in Philadelphia, looters went out and were destroying Targets and Foot Lockers and liquor stores and all that kind of stuff, right? So, so I had artificial intelligence generate an image based on my prompt. So in order for that image to be able to be generated, they had to train the AI on artwork that had already existed. Now, artists have been trying to sue 
uh, sue Midjourney and Dolly and you know Microsoft and all these people in order to prevent them from being able to do this. But luckily, judges have stepped in and said, no, these are completely new works of art, even if you it were trained on your artwork. Now, Hollywood writers, one of their concessions in this one, I don't know if you saw this, this one caveat, is that if you want to generate a script, you have to have it be trained on the writing of other writers. So writers have actually backed off on that issue and said, hey, we actually are going to concede that you should be allowed to train artificial intelligence on the writing of Wes Anderson or Michael Bay or what have you, so that people like myself could write a script in the style of Michael Bay. It won't be a Michael Bay script, but it'll be Michael Bay-esque, if you will, or Steven Spielberg-esque, if you will. Artificial intelligence is coming whether they like it or not, though, at the end of the day. And I wonder what your thoughts are in regards to the use of AI for creative writing or creative processes, like the one we're engaging in right now, podcasting. Yeah, you know, I, I think everywhere you look, entrepreneurs are looking, how can I use AI to improve my business or, or, as, or my job? Like I've, I've introduced it in my workflow, not as much as I'd like. Um, so I, I think it makes sense. I see it in, in I, my wife, my friends, their companies, um, they're all introducing AI. Um, unions have been resistant to this because that's what unions do, right? By, by their nature, they don't want to introduce things that make the jobs more productive, right? Were they more efficient? Um, and that's sort of the nature of unions. They're, they're looking at one thing. They're not looking to improve the greater, the, the business. Um, they're looking to protect jobs. Um, and that's that, that's a point I don't think we've really made enough about unions, right? Like they're, they're doing what unions are supposed to do, but but they really make work less efficient. Um, and, and so like, it, it's good. Here's the thing. I'm also, all these people that are super bullish on AI, I don't think AI can write as creatively as 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 humans. And I've I've looked at this. You know, I've I use AI. It pumps out a lot of crap, right? Now it can, it can be helpful. It can it can help you cut corners and do things like that. But if you you know if you said hey write an article on economics and prop, property, it's going to spit out something that's awful, right? Something that that is not interesting. Um, but it, it makes sense why, you know, they're opening the door to this and, and, and it, it probably will cost jobs both in, you know, all, of, we, we really can't, this is technology that you cannot put in a bottle. Okay. It was the same thing with computers. There, there was all these fears around computers and it said, well, it's going to destroy all the, going to have mass economic upheaval. And there was, right. If you're in the, if you were in the typewriter business, guess what? Like, you know, the writing was on the wall for you. And and AI, you know, could be similarly, you know, uh, destructive in, in in the job market. But it is going to improve things. That 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 is the nature of capitalism. If we if we allow this to work, um, it's it's going to open all kinds of doors for us. So I understand if you're a writer that there, you might you know have some you know apprehension about this technology, and that makes sense. But to just you know say that we're not going to we're, we're going to ban it or, or or something like that. Um, if you're not using it, your comp your competitors will, and 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 that's the thing that, that people are, you know, all this writer strike. Again, they put they they paused it for four months, and people barely noticed. Um, and they they didn't have the kind of leverage they thought they did. Like they're deal they're not just competing against other parts of the world; they're competing against all that content that's already out there, that's streaming, that's been built. Um, you know, like I, I don't know they're about competing you, Austin, against but... podcasters. I mean, they're competing against exactly. what we're doing. They're competing against what we're doing right now because. 
more and more I, I find people are watching fewer movies and television and they're listening more to podcasts like these. And this is disruptive because, you know, I can have, you know, with a thousand dollar setup here, or, you know, I, I think I spent six thousand dollars to get this show started initially with that with that minimal investment, we can take two hours of somebody's time that they might have spent make, you know, watching the craptastic Amazon, you know, multi-million dollar production of Wheels of Time, which one of my favorite Terrible. books, which just, yep. God, I just can't stand it. Um, speaking of, did you see that the the movie Snow White, that new woke version of Snow White that they came up with, it has to make $900 million in order for it to break even. You know, there's a reason Disney's just getting hammered. Their, their, their stock's getting hammered. Um, it, it's really a company that feels like it has, like, like rudderless stuff, right? Like, like they, they seem to have no direction. Um, again, this goes back to, they're, they're taking, they're taking these old stories, okay? Um, it, and that's okay. Okay, redo it. But then don't sneer at it, right? Like, you, you're, you're taking this, this classic story, and you're going to bring something new to it. And then you sit there and sneer at that original content. There's something very arrogant about that, right? Like th th this is a timeless story that appealed to people across generations. And, and now you're going to laugh at it and poke at it and do everything else. And it's going to be a disaster. It, 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 it's, uh, you know, it really is already a disaster. Uh, you, you can see it. Um, the fact that they don't even have the seven dwarves now. You can't do that. Um, you know, like you look at a studio like, like, like Disney, they're, they're in big trouble. Like they, they don't seem to, like I said, they don't have a direction. Didn't like the um, CEO of Disney like come out recently and say that they made a mistake by waging this cultural war by getting involved in this? I saw I, I saw some headlines to that effect. I didn't read those stories, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you 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 have to admit that and say, wow, maybe maybe we just need to step off the pedal, go back to just making great stories, right, and not worrying so much about about the politics and the gender and what we're gonna you know the, the, what we want to infuse these stories with. Go tell great stories. That's where you got to start. And Disney's, you know, gotten away from that. And, and you know, like if, if they're going to sell yeah. your company, they need to go back. Six days ago, Reuters, Disney CEO says company will, quote, quiet the noise in cultural battle. The quiet the noise in culture wars. Um, sounds like they uh, realized that they made an enormous mistake because, yeah, you probably get a lot of like, you know, gay people and transgenders who watch Disney stuff. I mean. Disney was always kind of gay. <laughs> you know, all my gay friends that I knew growing up were all like Disney kids and are now Disney adults and things like that. But I mean, for the most part, a wholesome family story. I mean, it was for families, right? You took your kids. You knew that if you took your kids to see a Disney movie, that you were safe and you didn't have to worry that there was going to be some lesbian makeout session or something in whatever animated picture you have. Disney's probably realized they've made a huge mistake. Yeah, you, you shouldn't really have to think about this taking kids to movies, and, and that and that's not all on Disney. That's on our culture that wants to you know kind of put the, all this this sexual stuff into kids movies. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest, like there, there's stuff I don't go to now. I'm like I, I don't know what's in it, you know. And I have three three kids, you know, they're twelve, ten, and, and six, and um, I I'll choose when that stuff's appropriate to to introduce to my kids when, when they need to kind of have these conversations. Um, and I'm careful about what they're getting in their schools and things. Um, I don't like the idea that, in, you know, like in entertainment, you go to a movie and suddenly you're going to be, you know, having to answer questions afterwards. And it's sad because Walt Disney himself, he was a great libertarian guy, you know, like he, I don't know if you know this, Austin, but he, he was attending fee dinners back in Ooh. the, in the Walt Disney. No, really? Yeah. Like his name, like yeah. I, I saw this when I was in the fee office last time. 
and you you have like uh, there was just some old papers, and they showed like you had you had some of this Hollywood muscle at, that were coming to fee events, and it was including like Walt Disney and libertarians. Yeah, I I actually was kind of surprised. I saw Walt Disney was at uh, some of those McCarthy hearings. And he was like, yeah, there are communists in Hollywood. <laughs> Get them. I was like, damn, boy, Walt would really be sad to see what had there happened. There was, like, right? Yeah, and we can look were. at like, you know, you can look at things and say like, like the McCarthyism got out of hand. But there were, you know, there were, there commies. were communists. And some of them were very, you know, they were doing very dangerous things. And, and, and some, some of them, them were, tr- some of them were committing treason. Yeah. No, like, like you don't hear a lot Soviets. of people now trying to claim that the Rosenbergs were innocent. You know, yeah. um, that, that ship has sailed. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Oh God. Hey, uh, can I ask you real quick, uh, John? Before we let you go, when you see the the looting that's going on in Philadelphia on these streets and Target shuttering its stores, nine stores going to be closed in areas where it's too dangerous, and then on the same day, like overnight last night, the looters were just cleaning out liquor stores and Lululemons and and Apple stores and Targets, uh, all of these and Foot Lockers, for example. What's your take on that? How do you react to that? You know, it's funny. I knew something happened yesterday because I was just, you know, sitting here in my office, and, I, and we had article traffic on on shoplifting and and the, you know, going. I'm like, what is going on? So I googled and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Um, didn't see till today. Like there was news stories up to, to this effect. Um, I, I I think it's it it goes it goes back to property rights, right? Like when you when you look at people's you know property as um, it, it it's not theirs, and we're not going to protect it. Um, and you can see in these communities, when you scorn property rights to this effect, what you have is that spills over and, and you have, you know, companies that are trying to do business, um, but they can't, the politicians don't respect the, the, the rights of property owners and, and the people don't either. Um, right. So they're going to come in and just take what they can. Um, and, and to me, like, like civilization really it, it's built on property rights right like it is it's, it's this idea that we, we we trade with with one another we exchange with one another we don't take from each other but we've built a culture on looting now and it's not just it, it's not just the people breaking into targets it's it's people that 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 the politicians who say no we're going to take um you know whether or not you know we're just going to confiscate and then and we're going to pay off the student debt loans that you took off and we're it, it is a culture we've created one now on looting that that looks at at, at property rights as like eh, no big deal so we, we we shouldn't be surprised when you have people busting in and, and and taking things and uh as a as a country we need to go back and look at property rights as sacrosanct we need to look at them as that like like no these these are human rights, and you don't get to take from one another um, without their consent. Oh, John Miltimore, he is the editor at large of the Foundation for Economic Education. John, where can people follow you online and read your Substack? Yeah, I'm on the, the take. Uh, I'll plug the link in, in here right afterwards, and uh, you can find my work there. I publish pretty much every day. You can also find our content on fee.org. I guess that you can see that right behind me. There you go, fee.org. John, hey, thanks so much, brother. Sorry we missed you on Monday. Glad you're feeling better. Hey, thanks a lot, AP. Appreciate being with you. Thank you very much. That's That's John John Miltimore, editor-at-large at the Foundation for Economic Education. What do you think of John? You can text the show anytime, night or day, at 573-319-1586. Again, text the show anytime, night or day, 573-319-1586. All right. Don't forget to also click like and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate you very much for that. And if you haven't had a chance yet to visit AP4LibertyShop.com, please do so over at AP4LibertyShop.com. We have 
delicious coffees that you can't get anywhere else. My favorite coffee, flavor of all, is our Colombian single origin, Thomas's Painkiller. Thomas Payne was my favorite founding father, so I gave him a special bag with a uh, very, of course, my very favorite founding father. I know he's not an official founding father. He's an unofficial founding father, but he's my favorite. So Thomas's Painkiller is available exclusively at ap4libertyshop.com. And don't forget free shipping to on all items from the United States or within the United States. So check out ap4libertyshop.com. I got my um, No Lives Matter Michael Myers shirt in yesterday, and I forgot to wear it this morning. So I'll wear it tomorrow morning on the show. Stephanie got her awesome Wake Up America Racerback tank, which is kind of like it's kind of like a sexy nighty kind of a thing from ap4libertyshop.com. So she won't be able to model that for you guys because she is demure. And uh, but you can check it out over at ap4libertyshop.com. That's ap the number four. AP for Liberty Shop.com, delicious exclusive coffee based around the founding fathers, as well as amazing libertarian t shirts, uh, 90s ladies uh, wear, and we've got phone cases, all kinds of stuff. I designed this phone case. It's got little neon machine guns on it. You can get that at AP for Liberty Shop.com. All right. Well, I don't have time for any more stories. I got to run. I did have this one. I'm going to save it for you for tomorrow because it's kind of evergreen anyway. The pettiest state in America, not the prettiest. The pettiest state. Can you guess? If you had to guess, out of all 50 states, which one is the pettiest, where people are the most petty? Can you guess? We'll have to wait till tomorrow to find out. We'll share that with you on the show. That's another good reason to come back and watch us again. So you got to click like and subscribe to the Wake Up America show. We're grateful and glad to have you here as a listener. Thank you to Rumble.com for supporting the show by featuring us today. We averaged over 1,000 people watching us live. I think we had over 2,000 at one point. That's just life-changing, right? My wife and I, we're just humble Missourians. We're not wealthy. We have an American dream. We want to build a business based around the Wake Up America show. We want to do documentaries, and we want to do movies, and we want to one day have more podcasts. And all of that happens because Rumble.com stepped in and gave us the touch by the grace of God, Rumble.com. So let's give it up to Rumble.com. Thank you for being a part of helping make our American dream come true. And thank you for being a watcher and a listener, because just by clicking like and subscribing to our channel, you're helping a young couple to start their lives and to spread the message of economic freedom and personal liberty, which is what we're all about. So if that sounds like something you're all about, hope to see you again tomorrow morning, bright and early on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com.